Welcome to the Enter the Mystery podcast. I'm grateful to be joined today by Mike Gavoni to give the listeners a bit of a background. Uh, Mike knew my dad and I grew up being around Mike and a few years ago now, I, as I was starting my journey, I came across uh, hearing about Mike going through his own awakening journey and my father knew Mike through AA and in recovering from addiction and yeah pretty much have kindled my own relationship with Mike now and yeah thanks for coming on Mike if you'd want to share a little bit about your journey to uncovering uh, yourself and what set you on this this quest of spiritual unfoldment. Yeah, thanks, Cam, for having me on your show. And we've known each other since uh, I've known you since you were a really young lad. And you've known me since uh, I was probably in my teenage years. And now here we are as adults and grown men, and we're on this path. And it's been really nice to, as you say, rekindle and um, really have this relationship with you at this time. And I'm really grateful uh, for you as a conduit and a light for other men on their journey. So thanks for putting this podcast together and having me on the show. Um, You know, my journey is, you know, my story may be different, but we're all on this hero's journey, you know, as, as the work of Joseph Campbell with the hero's journey, you know, with all the heroes of our own story. And we're all kind of, um, you know, slaying the dragon, so to speak, coming up against what our our troubles are or what's really challenging and having to overcome it. I mean, this is this is part of being human and being on this uh, little beautiful ball spitting around 80, you know, 80,000 miles an hour in the universe. And this is just the the interesting journey. And mine is, um, as I say, my story may be a little different, but the feelings are the same, the pain's still the same. Um, so I think the commonality we all share is whether you're in addiction or not, we all suffer this, you know, existential crisis per se of being in this body of, you know, one day we're going to get old, one day we're going to get sick, one day we're all going to die. And I don't mean to be morbid on with you guys, but th- this is just fact. And how can we live the best life possible? Um, you know, in this, in this reality right now, in the here and the now, and, you know, live to our highest capacity and, and in the process, help and support others. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's only been through my trials and tribulations that I've been able to, you know, uh, heal and, and, you know, have a shift in consciousness. And it started off, you know, with, with, with a difficult childhood, you know, I grew up uh, without a mom, and uh, my dad had no paternal instinct. Uh, my story is rather deep. There's a lot of religious trauma. Uh, there's a lot of um, neglect in not having, um, you know, proper attunement as a kid, not being held right. So my nervous system, as I was growing up, was always, um, you know, more anxious, and I never really developed. Um, a healthy way of being in the world because of my childhood. And that led to addiction because of course I had to 
calm my nerves in some sense because I was suffering from, you know, unprocessed trauma, unhealed trauma. And it took me a long time to really realize that. And it took me to develop uh, disease, including autoimmune disease, irritable bowel disease. And in that process um, of getting diagnosed with that, I was already 10 years into sobriety, or, or actually, let me back up. I was five years when I got diagnosed in recovery. And then it took another more, it took five more years to really, you know, navigate that through Western medicine. And then that didn't work. So led me to holistically healing and healing myself, you know, in an integrative way. Um, but nonetheless, at the end, I was sick and uh, I had to go on this journey to heal. And in the process of going through that illness, um, I developed what was called multiple chemical sensitivity, which was kind of the catalyst for me. I mean, I don't know if you can identify as a listener, but I'm the type of guy that had to bang his head off every signpost along the way in order to get the message. And some of us just learn that way. Some of us learn easier, but I had to really go through the ringer in order to pay attention and in the process. One of the greatest things happened to me is I had a profound spiritual experience as a result of the suffering, which led me to the work I do today and, and seeing the world through new eyes. So in the long short of it, that's, that's, the, that's my story. Awesome, man. Appreciate you for opening up with that. And tying in, like you were saying, Joseph Campbell's also been deeply impactful on my life in recognizing this hero's journey that we go through and reflecting on how with yourself, you know, it seems that you have had to make that descent into the underworld, um, sort of say, and, and going into the belly of the beast with that pain teacher that seems to be a common thread with many people who are seeking to know themselves is you know, darkness coming up and really the underworld calling to us uh, to integrate with it and to take a journey into the unknown. Um, so how would you say with, you know, this, this disease manifests from your avoidance of really feeling into your pain and you deal with this Western uh, model of really preventative um, or... <laughs> you know, this, this medicine way that's, that's not really living in, um, to me, like true empowering health. So how would you say that you learned about the state of the world by really engaging with this, this Western model? Yeah, so it took, you know, I think because of the conditioning in the way society constantly projects on us, um, you know, the, the Western medical way of, you know, healing and treating that many of us are so disconnected from our innate ability to self-heal and and we don't really know that that's possible but we've been bought into this this system idea that these institutions and and pharmacological approaches are the only way to heal and 
it's a very lucrative business model and, and it, it makes a lot of money, but it totally, you know, is a reductionist way of, of seeing us as these amazing multidimensional human beings that have the cap capacity and capability to self-heal. So it took me to really come to that edge and having to jump off the cliff into the unknown to open up to other possibilities. And I think that's the beauty that, you know, coming to a place where, where I was, or if you're suffering and there's nowhere else for you to go, that's when the infinite, you know, potentiality of the universe can kind of open up for us because we're, we're doing, we're willing to do something different. So I was pushed to the brinks. And at the end, I was looking at two doctors in the face a hepatologist, one because the medicine I was on for irritable bowel disease was destroying my liver. And the other one was the GI doctor uh, who was, you know, giving me cards for surgeons to take out my colon. And at that point, I was so sick, I knew I had to leave. But it was also so beautiful because I was so malleable at that moment to be able to try something else. For example, um, let's remove all the toxins from the food I was eating and let's start getting back to organic food and let's start eating an in an anti-inflammatory diet. So these were all things that I had to begin to open my eyes to rather than, you know, sitting on the couch and eating Twizzlers and cheeseburgers all day, which many of us do. And we don't think twice about it. Um, so if I'm answering your question properly, you know, it really took me to come to that edge to really open up to something else besides the program. Absolutely, dude. And um, I'd like to tie in because I know the recovery um, from addiction is a huge part of both of our journeys. And I'd like to hear about how you have, you know, healed this part of yourself. There's this paradigm around almost feeling like you're a victim if you're just, uh, you know, whether it's taking drugs all the time or drinking all the time that like, you're always going to be an addict no matter what you do. And, you know, I'm speaking from experience of um, being around that culture with a uh, certain family or friends who, you know, aren't necessarily seeing that you can move beyond just being a victim to this quote unquote disease. And it's actually, I know you're big on Gabor Mate's work. Um, so to package it into a question, how does trauma interconnect with addiction and how by going into our trauma, can we actually move through and empower ourselves and not succumb to uh, addiction? Yeah, beautiful question. And um, thanks for asking it. You know, there's, there's four doorways in the Buddhist and Tao traditions to experience enlightenment. One is death, one is meditation, one's tantric sex, and the fourth is trauma. So trauma can definitely be a gateway into expanding consciousness. Now, if you go back to even 12-step work with Bill Bill W. Bill W. is talking about having a spiritual experience. Now, 
having a spiritual experience, I believe, is necessary to really heal from addiction. And yet I'm not so sure that the model of 12 step supports the type of spiritual experience one needs to discover healing. I know for me, it wasn't that simple. For others, maybe they've had a spiritual experience that can result in that deep, profound healing. Now, let me step back a little bit. Carl Jung, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase this a little bit, but it's not verbatim. Carl Jung says, to the degree which you can have the numinous experience is the degree to which you were released from the curse of pathology, meaning the deeper the, exper the spiritual experience you have, you can be released from the diagnosis, right? Released from the curse of pathology. And in my eyes, including the pathology of being this drug addict alcoholic, right? Like this, 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 like you're, you're like something's flawed with you. Like you have this ailment that is never going to go away and you're going to be this fixed addict for the rest of your life because you have this disease. And I don't find that to be the truth. And in fact, I do find that having a profound spiritual experience is necessary. And maybe we go back to some ancient uh, traditions or ways to actually have this spiritual experience than just writing a bunch of steps down or ideas of where you were selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and afraid, which is you know, some of the questions on a four-step in Alcoholics Anonymous and all this stuff is can be helpful. But once again, how do we support the person to have a spiritual experience? So that's one part of this question. And the other one is, how is trauma related to addiction? Well, I haven't met one person who's be, who was addicted that hasn't experienced trauma. Now, trauma is a very misunderstood word, understood, understood, um, trauma is, is really misunderstood in general. For example, a lot of people think trauma is just war trauma or sexual abuse or physical abuse. And yes, those are all traumas for sure. But trauma can be um, as simple as, you know, lack of attunement from a child, right? Or uh, generational trauma could be a situation where, you know, your mother is unattuned and say she's dysregulated. And as a child, she couldn't hold space for you to um, you know, for your nervous system to adjust and, and, and you developed uh, some, you know, attachment trauma or early childhood trauma. So trauma, you know, fits under a very wide umbrella. It's a very, it's on a spectrum for sure. And I haven't met one person in that has been addicted that hasn't experienced some sort of trauma. And what, you know, as Gabor says, trauma is not happen. It, it, trauma is not what happened to you, it's a, res it's a result of what happened within you as a result of what happened to you. So for example, the situation caused something to happen inside of you, which for example, trauma is when, you know, there's an event or something where your nervous system doesn't have the ability to fully process uh, the energy and the fear um, or the traumatic activation can get stuck in your nervous system. 
and it can cause this dysregulation. And then what do we do? We look for something for the outside to calm our nerves. Or my hypothesis is, depending upon how your nervous system is geared, for example, I was more in sympathetic arousal, fight or flight. I couldn't stop running. I was chasing all these external things. I was in the gym. I was doing triathlons, all this madness because I couldn't slow down. So I took to opiates. I loved being, you know, sedated and I could slow down and relax. In fact, opiates are the same pathways of a mother's love and the nurturing system. So though that felt like so amazing to me because I didn't have a mom when I was young. So opiates were like perfect. Some people are more what's called uh, shut down or maybe in the dorsal vagal response, you know, and that's the dorsal vagal is, is the Im immobilized, uh, not enough energy in the system. And this can be depression, this can be shut down, disconnection. So people might like methamphetamines to pick themselves up. They can feel social, they have energy. So I think addiction, at least in substance abuse, is always an attempt to regulate the nervous system and find balance in some way. And there's, there's people, um, you know, we've been so washed with this idea that once you're an addict, always an addict. Um, and really, I think it's, it's a disconnection, obviously, from who we truly are. As Gabor says, you know, um, you know, trauma, you are disconnected from your, your authentic self, right? When, when, when you're experiencing trauma and to experience the healing is to reunite and awaken, I believe, to that wholeness that you already are. Now, this could happen through a spiritual experience or often does. In my particular case, I got to see that, oh my God, I'm not this body. I'm not this mind, right? And I got to touch into something much greater than this very limited conceptual reality that I lived in between the tip of my chin and the crown of my head. Many addicts, even well into long-term sobriety, are stuck in this thinking machine, right? And they, they can't get out of it, but there's not enough there's not enough space or opening or a gap for them to experience that, wow, this thinker or this mind is not them, it's just the mind. And in fact, when you're suffering from the symptoms of trauma, even in long-term recovery, that mind still may be, may be going a million miles an hour. So we have to begin to slow down, we have to begin to become embodied, and we have to begin to learn to touch the here and the now, the, the present moment. And that's something that's so difficult for addicts because on the contrary, we're always trying to run. 100%, I can relate to this with my own journey. Um, was never really with drugs, but with pornography, which I really see as like the drug for, for my generation that's super easily accessible and uh, in fires off the same dopamine hit in your brain, you know, as meth or cocaine or mm -hmm. whatever drug, you know, and I can see how in myself, it was really stemming from uh, reaching outside myself continuously for something that I wasn't fulfilled with inside. And just that saying, like, the God sized hole that we, we can kind of see on the collective is that when we're not in connection with that eternal uh, spirit or God within ourselves, then we're constantly reaching out for things to fill that hole that we that we aren't in touch with. 
you know, and I oftentimes see how in addiction recovery and specifically with AA or maybe it's no fap, these certain movements, it can just be about like, okay, not watching porn anymore or just not drinking anymore. And, you know, kind of maybe rolling with um, lesser addictions and, and not getting to the root cause of what is really wiring inside yourself to, to be reaching and to be engaging with life in this way. And, and it's about um, a lifestyle change, really finding ways to engage and connect with your soul, with, you know, the intelligence behind the universe so that you are fulfilled um, and, and not just, like I said, subtracting. Um, so how have you, how have you found um, like moving past the, the AA and, you know, coming onto your, your spiritual journey, what, what does it look like for you as far as lifestyle changes that allowed you to connect deeper to yourself so that you were then noticing addictions falling away? Yeah. So I just want to say too, that, you know, I support AA for people that are, are in recovery who need that. And I'm grateful for AA and also AA is, is the beginning. Um, it's a stepping stone. So you mentioned a couple key words when you were just speaking there, Kim, about wiring and connection. And yes, addiction is a result of us being disconnected from our true self. We're, we're disconnected. In fact, when you're living from a trauma response, you're, you're disconnected from the most evolutionary part of your nervous system. Let's call it the ventral vagal system, according to the latest neuroscience from Dr. Stephen Porges. And the ventral vagal system is responsible for safety, for social engagement, for executive function, for decision making, for awareness. So this is like super important territory for us to be connected to, right? And when we're suffering from a trauma response, we're living from the, the subcortical parts, which is that fight or flight or shutdown response, right? Then you might go to the guy with the white coat and get diagnosed bipolar, anxiety disorder, depression, things of that nature. Well, we're disconnected. Yes, we're disconnected from ourselves. We're disconnected from others and we have to reconnect. So I just want to say it's really important that we address the brain and nervous system when it comes to addiction, because if trauma is, is the root of the addiction, the dysregulation and the suffering, then we have to work on connecting. So I'm a big fan of, of doing practices for us to be able to connect and find balance, right? Like Bessel van der Kolk, one of the leaders of, of trauma, amazing medical doctor wrote the book, The Body Keeps the Score. He says, mindfulness is a cornerstone in the healing of trauma, right? So we have to begin to become more present. We have to begin to calm the nerves. We have to begin to reconnect with our ventral vagal system, the hierarchy of our nervous system. 
This is also a spiritual journey too, because if you're living from the primitive parts of your nervous system, there's no way you can, you can spiritually evolve. You're, you're in a fight or flight response, right? It's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You can't consciously evolve to the top of the pyramid per se, you know, when you're at the baseline, just trying to survive in your, in your mind body system. So we have to begin to address the wiring, the, the brain and nervous system and, and support reconnection. Now, for me on my journey, the stars aligned for me. What I mean by that is I got pinned down from suffering. What I mean by pinned down is I could no longer escape myself. So just like you said earlier, the addictions transfer if the healing hasn't happened. So, you know, you might chase women, you might chase money, you might chase anything outside of yourself, uh, careers, uh, status, you know, you might chase, you know, whatever it may be, if you haven't healed that wound. And for me, I did all those things until the day came where this chemical sensitivity drove me to the woods. And it drove me to the woods because I couldn't stand the regular external environment. It was too stimulating for my brain. In fact, when I smelt chemicals or diesel fuel or even people's colognes or perfumes, I was thrown into an intense fight or flight response. So the doctors didn't know what to do with me, but I began to open to my own internal wisdom. And I began to practice meditation. Now, I didn't know what I was doing per se, but it's all I knew is where I was going in my mind. And what actually was happening in the present moment were two very different things. Now, if you read Eckhart Tolle's book, The Power of Now, or if you heard his experience, we had a very similar experience where, you know, the suffering was so great that consciousness split off and I became um, the, the observer of, of the suffering, I became the observer of what was here, I, or this observer was awakened in me. And it was, um, it was a lot of practice of bringing myself to the present moment through meditation. And if I had to say, what is a tool that every person who's addicted needs to do? it's meditation. It's, it's some sort of cultivating of a, of a self-awareness practice. So you can create some space between the stimulus of the craving or the urge, or, or if you're in long-term recovery, the thinking mind, and you're still suffering and you can create this, this space for this, this gap to evolve where you can begin to see things more clearly now, when we start talking about that, we're in beginning, we're getting into the world of maybe you'd say insight of wisdom. Okay. And, and I'm a big believer and through my own experience that consciousness is the best relapse prevention. Consciousness begins to stand at the, the doorway of your mind in your sense stores, right? including thinking. So it's like we have a, a, a big brother or big sister present that can allow us to make better choices by our own discernment and wisdom being present. Now, I know you might be listening to this and trying to conceptualize what that may look like, but that's a process of actual um, 
realization or beginning to um, cultivate this spiritual aspect of your being. And, and that's with spiritual practice. That's why meditation is in every, let's say, religion or some form of spirituality. They all have a form of meditation. And, and it's important that we begin to work on the, the, the multi-dimensional approach. For example, as Gabo would say, the biopsychosocial approach, right? The mind, body, spirit approach, soul approach. We have to work and treat all this aspect of who we are or else we're leaving parts out, right? We just put the drug or drink down. We're still stuck with us. We're still stuck with maybe disconnection. We're still stuck with traumatic activation in the system. So how do we begin to address all of the, the being? And for me, I was lucky enough to be catapulted on my journey by the spiritual experience. And then the illness, I had to, to eat better food. I had to detox my body. I did what's called a fecal microbiota transplant to repopulate my whole microbiome. I mean, I, I had to do all this multidimensional healing in order to get to where I am. Now, I know everyone's not at that point, but we have to begin to, um, you know, see through this much broader lens than just putting the substance or behavior down. Absolutely. That's kind of a long answer. Absolutely, man. It's very inspiring to hear how you were able to um, find opportunity amidst the seeming chaos. Um, and for listeners who don't know, there's actually a word in uh, Chinese that it means chaos and opportunity at the same time. So we can, you know, really internally view all these, you know, seeming curses that may come up, whether it's manifesting as a an illness like yourself, or for me being heavily depressed and anxious, actually engaging with it and, and, and finding that presence, because um, I forget who says it, but you know, the shadow is coming to the party, whether or not you invite it. So might as well invite it and, and welcome it in. Um, because we all have a shadow self. And I've also been deeply impacted by Carl Jung's work. And I feel like through meditation, we can also start cultivating this self-reflective process where we're understanding how connected we are to the universe, to, um, as the Native Americans say, all my relations, you know, starting to recognize all being self. And I want to hear uh, you get a little bit more into um, your thoughts on Jung's work with the shadow and how you know, in the external environment, we're constantly being thrown the, this, these energies that may be triggering. And when we're not self-reflective enough, then we're living in victimhood. So what does it look like to live um, in self-responsibility where we're actually using, you know, these triggers that come up with in us to work with and to um, gain more awareness of how we are wounded? Because our wound is really our power place if we're working with it. For sure. And, and it requires, like you say, us to, we have to lean in and, um, you know, it's very challenging for us to lean in because we've been conditioned to lean out when the difficulty happens. And uh, like I say, it, it was only a 
perfect storm for me to lean in because I'm the type of guy that would lean out at any opportunity I could have. But once again, as my mentor, Dr. Paul Epstein, who is a naturopathic doctor supporting people to heal with the mind-body connection, he would say illness is opportunity to awaken consciousness. Well, recovery, right? Addiction is an opportunity to awaken consciousness too. We just have to begin to lean in. So now we put the drugs or alcohol behavior down and how do we lean in or just in general, say you're not an addict, how do we lean into the difficulties? Well, this, this brain of ours is, is really, you know, this master computer and it's doing what it does to try to avoid pain, right? All sentient beings want to be happy. They want to avoid pain. They want to be, be, you know, be pleasant. And, you know, even like insects, you know, you go to put a, you know, um, a hot flame near, near an insect, he's going to go the other way too. It's like, we're all looking to be content. And yet, you know, we've, we've conditioned ourselves in particular ways, you know, for a lot of different reasons to, move away from the uncomfortability. So when we begin to see that, you know, running from or creating what we might say in the Buddhist is verbiage is, is sorry, I'm just drawing a blank right now. Um, we're, 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 we're avoiding what's, what's here, right? We're, we're, we're turning away from what's here. And rather we have to begin to open up to the challenge. And, and like you said, Kim, the shadow or the challenge is actually, you know, where the light begins to shine through. So that's a process of, of once again, this is a spiritual journey because we have to begin to work with within ourselves now. It's not just about what's happening outside of us. Excuse me, I'm going back. The word is aversion, right? So, we're, we're, you know, like the Buddha said, the Buddha said, we're, you know, the, the what's causing the suffering is the craving. We're, we're leaning towards the pleasant and pushing away the unpleasant, right? Creating the aversion. So now when we're leaning towards the challenges, this is when we have opportunity for change. So, you know, this is the place where we need to begin to explore so we can transform the negative or the challenge, like the anger, right? Many of us have, you know, been angry over things and people who have harmed us. Well, how can we begin to work with that anger inside our own mind body so we can begin to, to open up to what's on the other side of anger, maybe forgiveness, maybe um tranquility, maybe, you know, equanimity, these are all aspects of us that we can cultivate, but we have to work with, you know, we have to beat the lead into gold, so to speak. And this takes uh, practice, it's a path. This and this is why all these great spiritual teachers came here to teach these paths of, of, you know, transformation. But first, it starts with recognizing What's, what's causing us to, to suffer? Where's this discontentment? Where's this dissatisfactoriness happening? And yes, we all have this shadow side. We all have this dark side, right? And we all have this light side, right? And, and most 
addicts or people who become addicted are only identified with their dark side, when in fact, there's a whole other side too. And frankly, we need both, right? We have the sun goes down every night, and then the sun comes up every morning. There's, there's, the, there's the dusk, there's the dawn, there's the light, there's the dark, there's the fear, there's the the joy, you know, we, the, this universe has this, these polarities and to, to be able to understand them at a deeper level and understand we're really, we're really, you know, abiding by universal laws and, and, you know, you can't harbor all this anger and expect to be happy. So when you get in touch with these and begin to follow these and begin to open up to what's here, more is revealed. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, I think young is the one who says it with, as the tree is growing its roots higher to heaven or its branches higher to heaven, its roots are going deeper into hell. And it's, it's reflecting on how, you know, as it's not a walk in the park to be on this path, it's constantly, um, you know, tearing down who you thought you were um, dissolving per se, so that you can, you know, really recognize the true form that is behind all of the, these um, attachments and programs and conditions. And, you know, seeing that the, the pain, the darkness, the trauma, it's never going, going to be um, not present because it's inherently a part of this existence. But what will grow is your ability to work with it and to engage with it as your light is sprouting, you know, that, just seeing the, the expansiveness um, and, and that it's constantly an ascent towards the spiritual glory, this enlightenment, but a descent as well, matching it at every level. And you can see how like certain polarities on either spectrum, where if we're constantly just ascending towards the light and we're trying to be, you know, say aesthetic and just constantly thinking about um, how where we're one with everything that could maybe lead to falling off balance because we're not checking ourselves with um, integrating with that darkness or if we're um, totally just worshiping our wounds and we're like constantly digging in the mud per se and not recognizing that we have we're here to have fun as well we're here to to appreciate and to live in the light amidst what we've gone through. So I'd really like to hear how um, psychedelics and, and entheogenic medicines have played a role in your journey, because I know for me, they've been deeply impactful in, in expanding my awareness to this whole other perception of reality. And tying back in with, with AA is, you know, like you said, appreciating the model that they gave and as a stepping stone, but as you get beyond that stepping stone, you realize that not all of these things that are termed drugs um, by mainstream culture are actually drugs. They're, they're seriously medicines to help us integrate with our higher self and to be uh, more optimized human beings. So if you'd like to touch on that, brother, I'm really curious to hear. Yeah, so... my my doorway through 
deeper spiritual understanding and transformation was through primarily through the suffering in the meditation on my journey as someone who's 16 years into recovery from drugs and alcohol um, I was open to exploring with other substances or in this case psychedelics or etherogens to support deeper healing and awakening. And I just want to say, I don't think they're for everyone, everyone in general, or everyone who's in recovery, and to use them in a very respectful um, healing context is, is very important. So we're not talking about just taking ayahuasca, you know, by yourself in a room and, and you know, and just kind of tripping out, you know, using these in the right context and right environment so we might say the right set the mindset the right uh setting right the dose the substance the guide or sitter who's supporting you when they're when all these parameters are met you know we can have a trans transformational experience and i did my first medicine journey with ayahuasca about three and a half years ago in the jungle of costa rica and it was a very profound experience. Now, I had a very somewhat heart opening healing experience where my fiance was really put through the ringer. So what I mean by that is, is every it affects everyone differently. And I think the medicines are super intelligent and give you what you need at that moment. And also this taking what you've learned from the experience and actually integrating it into your life. So the integration is just as important as the actual experience. So making sure if you're curious on this path that, you know, you line up these parameters to support you on your journey of, you know, of healing from, from these plants and substances. Now, it's it's really an exciting time right now because we're moving beyond the old narrative of the 60s when you know Timothy Leary was here and so forth and he did a great thing for psychedelics and a not so great thing I would say but you know we're moving beyond the propaganda model because there's so many studies now showing us the therapeutic benefit of these medicines. And in fact, Bill Wilson was a supporter of LSD and used LSD a bunch of different times and wanted to actually incorporate it in the Alcoholics Anonymous model, uh, which um, the higher above there, you know, wasn't really for that. So he kind of disengaged and, and, and kind of did his own thing, which I'm actually going to be bringing a guy on my podcast soon to, to talk about his book called Distilled Spirits, where he talks about the work of Bill Wilson, Aldous Huxley. So that's going to be exciting. But yeah, it's really uh, been a part of that culture for a long time, although many people uh, aren't quite ready for that yet, who are in the addiction, um, let's say, 12-step model. But we're, we're, once again, we are shifting our consciousness where, you know, MAPS uh, program that stands for the multidisciplinary association of psychedelic studies. Sorry about that. Had some marbles in my mouth. Um, and, and they're going to be, they're doing a lot of, you know, they're in their third uh, phase trial of MDMA. And that looks like it's going to be legalized uh, 
through the FDA in, in any times in the next maybe year or so, which is exciting. So, you, you know, you're going to be able to use an MDMA, which, which is uh, the street name is ecstasy in a therapeutic context to discover kind of what's going on in there and process and heal. Now, I think the studies show the last time I read or listened was 67% of people were no longer suffering from the symptoms of PTSD after their third journey um, with MDMA under the proper, once again, context of psychedelic assisted psychotherapy. So this is really an interesting time. I'm super excited. Um, I'm super, um, I have a super positive outlook on, on this. And, and for me, these medicines have been, you know, additional kind of agents to help me process trauma that was stuck in my body still, you know, a couple decades after the event. For example, MDMA was a beautiful experience for me. Now I did it underground, which means it's, it's not above ground yet, not legal. So uh, there are there have been practitioners and, and psychotherapists that have been using these because they know the power of them for a long time underground. So I happened to have an experience underground with MDMA not too long ago, and I had a profound experience. I had a profound release of trauma in my body. Um, a lot of things came up too that were challenging, but for the most part, you know what these substances are doing are bypassing the default mode network which is this network in the brain, you know, that's responsible or one of its responsibilities is the sense of self. And, you know, when we're hooked in that negative um, feedback loop of the sense of self and who we are and identification, you know, that can be very tr troublesome, including for people with PTSD. And when these, substance, uh, so when these substances or psychedelics are present, they actually bypass the default mode network. So for example, you can see yourself in situations of your life through a different perspective. And this is where the healing happens, right? It's like Marcel Pro says, he says, the voyage of discovery is not seeking new landscapes and it's with seeing with new eyes. So what happened to us, whether it's trauma or abuse or things of that nature, and, you know, can, can be seen through a different set of eyes. And as well, it can be discharged. The energy of that situation can be discharged, you know, in the right context, for example, MDMA for me allowed me to kind of shake, rattle and roll this experience out of my nervous system. And, you know, so these, it's, it's very exciting time. Um, I'm super stoked about this opportunity for many people, including for people in recovery to experience their own divinity. And, and that's, I think that's what we need is, is we need to experience our, our own wholeness and have a shift in consciousness. Absolutely. And uh, seeing the other side, there's, there's definitely some uh, religious systems that don't really vibe with the use of any external substances. But for me, I found that we need to recognize that we're in a different time period. We didn't just grow up in India where we're taught to be meditating and uh, living in a ashram. Uh, and, you know, we're dealing with a lot different world living in the United States right now with, you know, all that's happening in the world, which, you know, there's just con constant um, bombardment of stimulation uh, and distraction and, you know, 
this technological age. And I really see the, like you said, it's not for everyone, but for those who are called to work with these sacred teachers, uh, they can be really profound in dissolving um, your, your sense of who you actually think you are and your attachments maybe to this, this control paradigm that we're operating in, um, you know, where we almost, we're constantly living in a place where we're not actually standing in our true power because we are hurt. And that saying hurt people hurt people. It, it seems to be this perpetual loop that we're witnessing. Uh, samsara, it's called, where, you know, the suffering just keeps going. And I really see these medicines as almost we're in a co-evolution with them. You see ayahuasca is popping up in LA and New York and there's ceremonies going off all the time now. And um, seeing these, the intelligent design behind the universe as um, these plants are calling um, humans into an evolution with them to actually spread, um, spread their roots across the earth. And I think that's, that's such a special thing to see how it is operating in this, this awakening that we're witnessing. Um, so yeah, to also tie in um, the world stage at large right now, um, what are you finding to be um, the most important um, aspect to really sit with amidst this time, specifically with you know, what is, what are we going through as a uh, human collective right now? And, and how do you see uh, the way through? Yeah, so I think, you know, right now, obviously, let's, 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 I mean, if you want to talk about the elephant that's in the room, uh -huh. you know, with COVID-19 and everything that's that's here i mean this is i think a great opportunity and and yet um there's there's consequences to pay for what's happening as well um and what i mean by that is this is probably the first time i've said this on a platform but um you know i i'm not in agreement with um uh, putting a non-tested substance in people's bodies for an illness that most of us um, can fight ourselves. So uh, there's there's you know thousands of doctors um, who are on board with what's happening as far as uh, what's happening is not the right way to 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 treat and go about this pandemic. Um, but at the same time, I think it's birthing many of us a different consciousness to see through maybe what has been here all along and now it's just really evident and a lot of us have to make some really important decisions on how we want to live uh, including the protection of our um, our medical freedom so you know for myself I think it's about holding both sides and trying to find my own equanimity or the peace amidst the storm 
And don't get me wrong, sometimes I can jump to one side real quick uh, and bringing myself back personally is something I have to continue to do. For me, because I've been violated by the medical establishment so deeply, um, I, I am not on board with um, a lot of how they see and practice, you know, the medical model in, in, in our bodies, right? I believe we're self-healing um, beings. And, and when we can tap into that, then beautiful things can happen because I've, I've done it. Um, I, I have my colon today. I have my liver today. I, I don't suffer from irritable disease, all by, all by aligning more with nature. Um, so yeah, man, it's a great, it's a great time for transformation. And yet there's a lot of suffering here too. So I think everyone has to step up for their individual, you know, what they believe in and step and stand in their truth. Uh, especially if it's if it's definitely something that's opposed to the typical narrative, um, because you know we're at a time right now where we're we're really separating from each other, and you know if you're vaccinated, you can do this. If you're not, you can't do that. And I think this is a that this is a really time for for us to stand up and and change this um, for sure. Definitely, man. Agree wholeheartedly with. Um the vaccine and, and also having, having to check myself to not cast judgment upon others because who am I to say that that isn't a part of their um, journey to, to learn from, you know, maybe having to, to, to have that dance with the devil a bit and they hadn't gotten the message before. Whereas, you know, like yourself, you've already uh, gone through that paradigm with the medical system um, and has created a, a deeper awareness of self so that you you're not looking to engage with that anymore and I really see it as uh, very synonymous with what you were saying earlier in your own journey as a pinning down it's really like this the separating of the wheat from the chaff as they talk about in the bible is there's so much happening in the world um, that if you are not, I'll just use the analogy of like taking the mask off and facing it, embracing it head on um, is what we need to be doing because if we're not, then it's the same thing on an individual level where we're, we're avoiding that shadow because it's been in the deep depths of the underworld for so long. Um, and, you know, it can't be avoided any longer. And it actually is birthing a new world for us to step into and be creators of. So to, to wrap up, brother, I want to uh, give you a chance to share a bit with the listeners of your um, business. You're an entrepreneur, which is super inspiring, um, healing beyond recovery. What does this entail and where can people find you? Yeah. So yes, my business is called Healing Beyond Recovery, where I support people who are in recovery, typically from substance abuse, but other addictions as well to experience deeper healing and transformation. I work uh, primarily one-on-one -on -one and um, some group settings, but primarily one-on-one -on -one right now. And you can find uh, more about me on the Healing Beyond Recovery podcast that's on Apple and all the major platforms, or you can find me uh, by my first and last name, uh, Mike Gavoni, www.mikegavoni, G-O-V as in Victor, O-N as in Nancy, I.com. 
Um, and really, I take a holistic, integrative approach to treating and addressing the whole person when it comes to addiction and primarily um, helping people support their nervous systems to feel comfortable in their own skin so they can thrive and tap into who they are. And I think this is um, important work because there's a lot of people who are still suffering who have put the substances down and don't know where to turn. So those are the platforms pretty much where you can find me also Facebook and primarily Instagram at Mike Gavoni once again M-I-K-E-G-O-V-O-N-I and Cam thank you for who you are who you're becoming and um, creating the platform for me to share on today.